Ambition Feed. Hi, I'm Emily and this is Ambition Feed, the podcast that brings you honest conversations from school leaders. For this week's episode, we're in Clacton Coastal Academy in Clacton-on-Sea. We're joined by two leaders, Michelle, Steph, welcome to Ambition Feed. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Could you introduce yourself and your role and tell us a bit about the context of your schools? Hello, I'm Stephanie Neal. I'm the principal of Clacton Coastal Academy. Uh, we're based in Clacton-on-Sea on the Essex Sunshine Coast. A beautiful place to be on a sunny day like today, but a place that isn't short of its challenges. So education history here is pretty poor, unemployment's very high, lots of the employment is seasonal and we have a huge amount of students moving in and out of the area. So some real challenges just to take on as a school, but therefore engaging with parents is a really important aspect of everything we do. Hello, thank you for that. I'm Michelle. I am the principal at Caister Academy, which again is a coastal school, but up the road in Norfolk. Mine too is a very similar school with very similar problems, very, very isolated. People don't come to Great Yarmouth unless you're coming for a holiday, really, and it's not somewhere you pass. So we're sort of out on a limb, very much so, with one road in, one road out. Education isn't the highest priority for parents, which is why we need to engage with them all the more to make them realise that there is a world outside of Norfolk and Caister. Thanks very much for setting out um, the challenges that, that both your schools are, are facing um, and it seems that you've got quite a task on your hands when it comes to engaging with parents. Um, so in practice, what does parental engagement mean at your school and how, how do you go about parental engagement? I think parental engagement for us is quite difficult. I think they, they are very used to being engaged in the primary schools. They take their children to the door, often of the classroom, until they finish in year six and then suddenly they expect them to come to secondary school a completely different child after six weeks summer holiday and parents often leave them to walk quite long distances or they have to get the bus in on their own so we actually don't see the parents in the morning. They also don't really come in at the end of the school day because again they don't collect them and if they do collect them they're outside the school gates in a car ready to zoom off to get on with life. So I think that is quite difficult in terms of getting parents in as I've said before, they don't always value education, therefore they don't always want to come to parents' evenings. If they haven't heard anything from us during the week, they assume everything's all right, so they don't need to get involved, really. So how, how do you get parents involved? How do you persuade them to take, that, to take that interest? I think we've opened up our doors far more. We've got social media that now parents really do engage with. They love to see their children, even if it's just in a classroom, working. Um, obviously with GDPR that's, we've got quite a lot of issues with that now because we've got to get permissions for every child, even more so than before. But we're still continuing with that. Parents really do like that. We, we invite them personally to various events. So it's no longer dear parent, it is your child and we will name the child on the actual letter that's going out. And that has really worked because they feel like we are friends with them rather than just it's us and them. We've done a lot of tours of school to show that it, yes, it is bigger than the primary school down the road but it's not a huge warren and invite them in as much as possible open the school up be on the school gate we've got senior leaders on the school gate morning and night come rain or shine and parents have got to know us so it's just keeping the old community open and always replying to phone calls in that day obviously the phone calls at the end of the school day first thing the morning after so they feel listened to even if you can't always answer their problems immediately or if at all 
And how about you, Steph? What, what sort of tactics have you, um, have you taken here at Clacton to, to kind of engage with parents? Yeah, I mean, some things very similar to Michelle and, and some things different. In terms of the tours, I found particularly when I was speaking to year six parents, really, really fearful of no longer having the access to their child that they had at primary school and the ability to meet the teacher on the classroom door. So that's what prompted us to um, start open days at the school. So we have a number of times of year when the school is open for any parent to come in. So it's not just about transition, it's actually about come and see what it's like in the school on a normal day, come and see your child in a, in a lesson. The first one of those we ran helped me understand parental engagement hugely because I walked around with parents who were actually physically shaking as they walked around the school because their own experience of school had been so poor that they would step into a classroom of a, of a lesson they remembered from when they were 20 years younger and actually were shaking at the memory of what it had been like in school. So that helped me understand then that when their children were coming home and talking about school, the parents would be seeing it through a whole different filter, which was their own experience when they were at school. So that was something that was in incredibly positive. And we kind of learnt from that really in terms of just making no assumptions that they would understand what we were asking of them or what school looked like today. So we changed our whole parents' evening approach so after decades of parents' evenings pretty much looking the same in schools across the country, now you can access all your child's information online. Why do you still sit opposite a teacher at what feels like an exam desk and, and, and talk about how your child's doing? So we've changed those to the teachers are still there, but they're sat around big tables. They're there with their whole departments. They've got all the online facilities we've got in terms of working at home. They've got examples of all the things that they do in school. And it's much more a conversation about this is how your child learns now so that they can understand what they should be doing um, and that's we did first for a year 11 revision evening which was really powerful we've then translated that to every parents evening that we run as someone pointed out to me when you go into a primary school parents evening you meet the class teacher and that's it and you suddenly arrive at secondary school and you might be seeing 15 different teachers and we've tried to change that to be a much more friendly environment and much less threatening um, recognizing some of the fears that our parents have about their own school experience and have you found, as a result of that, that you've got more parents coming to parents' evenings than in the past? I'd say there'd be some change to the number of parents coming to parents' evening, but undoubtedly parents have left loads happier. The feedback we've done kind of rates what they understand about how to support their child much more highly, and they just feel like they're having a supportive, friendly conversation rather than um, a challenging one. And Michelle, could you tell me a bit about the, the kind of revision tactics that you've, you've taken with, with parents and, and how that's worked at your school? One of the things we've done this year following parental views from the previous year is we've done an evening where we showed how to revise to the pupils and then we've done the same sort of evening with the parents because actually the parents don't understand that just sitting with their books open in their bedroom means that they're revising. Nine times out of ten, their books will be open but they'll be on social media. Um, they'll be doing anything to avoid work so we invited them in we actually got six reply slips this year and every single parent so 120 of them turned up in some form or other mum dad grandparent turned up to listen we had the computer rooms open to show them all the apps that we've got that the pupils have got access to and we gave them different strategies that work for some pupils and not for others and said that that no pupil is the same therefore no parent should be the same but they need to check that they're revising they need to check that they've got the exam timetable. They need to, to be testing them and helping them. They don't have to understand science and German, but they can actually ask them questions. And, and we did something like that, and that's really, really helped. We've done a similar one 
just recently for year 10 as well, bearing in mind that we want to do it earlier. And we are looking at doing it into key stage three, because actually the earlier they start getting revision strategies for the pupils and the parents, the, the better, really. No, it's great. It sounds like that's been really effective. And as you say, you're rolling out across the year groups. I just want to turn to your communities now. Steph, could you tell me a bit about who, who else you work with in the community here in Clacton to, um, to kind of support your students and to help engage parents as well? We as an academy have a focus on successful employment so our whole drive is about getting students into successful employment because of the challenges that the town faces with that. And so we have a huge involvement with our local employers and with local organisations and in the last two years we've completely changed our curriculum in the sixth form. So our students um, attend and study their level three courses or A levels here but on at least one day a week, they spend that with an employer in the town, um, getting regular week in, week out work experience. That's leading them onto apprenticeships, onto degree apprenticeships, and really building the links with employers in this school. Uh, that's happened over a good number of years. We run our own careers fair here, and that attracts about 50 organisations and employers. We run our own mock interviews. So we've targeted really our community involvement in terms of our involvement with employers. Then really it was looking at how we tied all that together and it coincided really well with a change in the way that governance operates within the trust. So the trust now has parent and community advisory boards that are part of the governance structure and we have been able to use that to really great success here because it's given us a forum to link together all of those different key players in the community. So we have representatives on that from the district council, we have the bishop, we have uh, Bernardo's charity, we have local employers and we have parents as well. And they're very much about looking at how we as an academy are serving the needs of the community, how we're preparing students who will be ready to uh, deliver in that community. And it's a great way for us to have the parental voice into that as well. But it's not really just about them giving us feedback or comment, it's actually about that board and group of people driving forward the ways that we should operate as an academy. It sounds very influential. We had lots of good connections and it's now given us a forum to pull that, that together in a, in a really effective way and linking everything from local authority bodies to volunteer organisations to employers and to parents means you've got a huge breadth of, of everybody who's having an impact in the community. And it means we've known what's going on a bit more so we can engage our students into things that other people are organising and it's given us a much better idea of, of how to pull everything in the community together. And Michelle, could you tell me a bit about the organisations that you work with in and around Caister? Yeah, ours is slightly different because we haven't got a sixth form. So we work very closely with the sixth forms of the school up the road in Paston and the actual sixth form colleges and further education colleges in order to enable those successful transitions once they leave us. Because that obviously for as many pupils is an absolute minefield. For many it means getting two buses to a college some, sometimes for an hour. That's obviously a huge change for them. So we work very, very closely. They come in regularly throughout Key Stage 4. We regularly go there. We have lessons. We take pupils down there for lessons, which again gets them out and about into our community. We've got quite a good relationship with our local Cubs pack. They come into our school and do some of their badges. So they use our sports hall and they recently came in and did some science experiments that was a lot of smells and bangs and noises coming out of the rooms. And again, it gets parents in from the community with younger children. So they, they are seeing the school that their children will probably be coming to when they're older. We work really closely with the University of East Anglia and try and get pupils there. In every year group, we try and get them across there. And we do 
some sessions for the most stable at Cambridge University. We've just got pupils going out there, which again is broadening their horizons. It's not our local, little local community because Caster is classed as a village. So we try and get them out into the wider community that isn't all to do with holiday makers because a lot of it is seasonal and it, it's, it's showing them that there is more to do but they have to look further afield. Does that add to the feeling that you're perhaps a bit less isolated? I'm not sure we're fully there yet but I think that's what we're certainly trying to do is to show the, the pupils that yes we are literally on the coast I mean you can see the sea from my teaching classroom can watch the sea so we are literally the last post and you don't pass the school unless you come into it so I think for some pupils just taking them an hour into Norwich or half an hour into Norwich is a huge experience for them it's eye-opening for some of them because they've never been they don't realize that you know that is part of our community now i'm going to turn to kind of specific leadership strategies you're both very experienced school leaders could you tell me a bit about the the strategies that you use when you're trying to approach parents and and to engage with them i think what's really important is to realize that education is pretty confusing and it's changing all the time and that we're often relying on the parents' memory of their own school days, which are now very different. And so my main message is that we should never assume anything. We do things like we're sending text messages home just to say it's the end of the school holidays and school's back on Monday. We're not assuming that, one, the letter got home, two, anyone actually looked at the website, three, anyone really realised that was the date on Monday, and just trying to make sure that we try and explain everything from the start and not making the assumption that the parent understands what's going on in the same way that, that we do. And I think it's about doing that ahead of time. So tr so trying to be proactive about the things we do and not then suddenly having to deal with a, a lack of communication. Realising that messages home through students is not a, re a reliable way of things going home. And then just trying to make sure as well that for the parent, they don't feel they're dealing with multiple people. Because I think one of the challenges of secondary school can be there's, there's so many different parts to it, there's so many different teachers involved. Trying to be consistent so one of the things we've done this year is change our sanctions and, and behaviour policy because parents were finding it confusing that they were receiving different messages from different people about their child being kept behind after school so trying to make sure that uh, we run things much more centrally so they're getting the same message every time and, and they understand it. We have student family advocates who we use with some of our more difficult re uh, to reach families and that is a lot about them having one person they talk to all the time who will then help translate their concerns into does it need to pass to this teacher or the other teacher. Michelle, could you tell us um, how communication affects parental engagement in your school and what kind of leadership strategies you've used? Some of it is very, very similar to what Steph's just said, actually, because it is about making sure parents are clear with the messages that are going home. And we've stopped sending letters home simply because we found them all over the schoolyard and we found them all over the village. We send text messages out to say that it's on the website. There are some individual pupils who still take letters home because parents have requested that. And again, it's listening to what the parents want and making it personalised as much as you possibly can. And it's proving to parents that you're going to do what you're going to say you're going to do. So if you say, I'll look into it and I'll ring you back tomorrow, it's making sure all my staff know that that does mean you ring them back tomorrow. And I think that that's what's made a difference for our parents is they now feel listened to. They feel that we do listen to them and we act upon it. We've started doing a lot of home visits because we have got some parents for whom coming into school is just too much. 
so we are aware of who they are. Staff will go out in twos, sometimes in threes. It is expensive in terms of staff time, but actually the pupils are now benefiting from that because those parents, one in particular I can think of is disabled and can't leave the house. That child now knows that we are they're being treated exactly the same. Their parent doesn't come to us, the school goes to them to discuss the issues. And I think it's just involving the parents and doing what we say we're going to do. Michelle, do you, do you feel now that your school has better relationships with parents as a result? Are you, are you building trust with them? I certainly feel we've built trust. I think sometimes we've possibly gone too far in that some parents will just now just turn up in reception, often quite angry and irate and demand to see somebody so they don't actually do the phone call bit that we're encouraging. But yeah, but in terms of the trust, they're definitely trusting of us. Could you tell us your best moments, your proudest moments from parental engagement? I think for me, it was a year seven boy who has special needs was in the dance performance that required him to go to Norwich. So we were taking them on the school minibus and the parents rang me and said, would it be possible for them to go on the school minibus? I explained that the minibus was going all day and that that would be an early start for them, eight o'clock start, and that it wouldn't be leaving Norwich until with the end of the evening performance, that'd be eight, eight, half eight in the evening because a member of staff was driving it and there was no way to put, bring the bus back. They were quite excited by this and I thought, okay, fair enough. It wasn't until the end of the performance when they came up to me in the foyer and thanked me profusely because it was the first time they'd ever been to Norwich themselves and they'd never dared go on the school on the normal service bus because they didn't know where to get off, they didn't really know anything about Norwich. So of course, by us picking them up at the school, which they knew they were safe, and dropping them off at a theatre, they could then find their way through Norwich. They knew they had all day. They got back to the theatre and then they got a lift back to the school in order to be with their child. So obviously for me, that was a real revelation about parents that they can be in their 30s and have never been to Norwich, which is 30 minutes in a car. I think that made me sit up and think, actually, we need to do more for some of our parents to get them involved. It's not that they don't want to see their children perform, it's actually they can't. They don't, they haven't got the facilities to get there. They don't know. They are, like Steph said earlier, physically shaking at the thought of having to get a bus to a strange city. I think that for me is probably um, when I really realise that we need to do more for parental engagement and something I'm really proud of that I said yes. We have a number of families where their, their initial communication with the school has been very, very aggressive. And I suppose I'm thinking of one particular family um, who actually made a death threat to the previous head. And to watch their journey they've gone on as we've just modelled to them how we would speak to them, what we expect of their children. Every time there was an incident they'd come in, swearing at the gate, and over time calm down quicker as they came in and talk it through. And I think the moment I sat in my office and the daughter said, that's it, I'm gonna smack her, and both parents, unprompted just said no you're not going to do that was when you just realized how much of a journey they'd they'd been on and we can now phone and say really sorry to phone you but we're in this situation how do you want you know shall we talk about how we deal with that and I think it's realizing that they just haven't always got the communication skills to deal with things in a, in a in the right way or the way we would ex want them to deal with things. And actually, it's as much coaching our parents through that as it is the way we coach our students through how we'd expect them to deal with the situation. And they they want a good outcome. They just haven't always got the the equipping to be able to do that in the best way to get the best outcome for their child. And that's part of our job too. 
No, and I fully agree with that. I think it really is about mm. getting to the parents on their level mm. and understanding that they're not being rude. Mm. It's their way of, of communicating. They don't always understand that, to me, that's quite rude. Mm. But to them, that's the way they communicate and have always been taught to communicate. And it's teaching them that, actually, if you shout at me, I'll shout back, so don't do it because I'm not shouting at you. And we've got similar families that now will come in one, well, I can think of one in particular whose dad is extremely aggressive and is no longer that at all. And actually, when it was announced that I was moving on to a new school, he was the first one to ring me and wish me good luck, which was a real shock because I assumed he was going to ring me and shout at me for leaving. <laughs> and it wasn't. It was, we want to wish you good luck for everything you've done. And it really shocked me. I was, for once in my life, quite speechless mm. that this parent could could ring me and want to speak to me. And I can remember thinking, I'm going to pick the phone up and he's going to shout at me now. And he didn't, he was lovely. And that's because we've worked so closely with him at, at how to speak to people and that the way you're doing it is just getting teachers' backs up. Mm. Um, and we've seen a huge, since, since he's changed his opinion, the child's changed. Because yeah. obviously he's probably mm. practising what he's learned from us in, in the home environment. Mm. So the child's improved as well. That's incredible. And both those moments are such obvious testaments to kind of your passion and, and your enthusiasm and the tactics that you've taken to work with parents. Um, so that's really amazing. Just to wrap up, if you could each share with our listeners one piece of advice that you would give to a, a middle or a senior leader, what, what would you say? So I remember when I was first training as a teacher, I was told that you should always assume that every child wants to learn. Otherwise, there's no point even starting the day. And I think I'd have a very similar message about parents. Every parent really does care and wants the best for their child, but they don't always know the best way to go about doing that. And if we keep that in our mind, we know that we can support them in the best way to get that outcome for them. I think mine's very similar. Mine's don't ever give up. Don't ever give up on a family. Just because the parents aren't the same as you or don't always believe the same as you, that family want the best for that child, regardless of what that child's doing. They want the best. They don't always see a path out of out of what they're doing. So don't ever give up on a family. Don't ever write them off. One thing I will say to all staff is, please don't speak negatively about the families in public, certainly. Obviously, behind closed doors, we can talk openly and honestly, but in public, we are supporting every single family that walks through our, our door. And it's very easy to give up. It's very easy when you've been shouted at to say, oh, they're not welcome anymore. But actually, they need to be the ones that you're welcoming more in order for them to be helped and for them to help their children. That's it for this episode of Feed. Thanks very much to Steph and Michelle for your thoughts. Thank you. Thank you very much. You can join the conversation over on our Facebook group or on Twitter. Just search for Ambition Feed. For our next episode, we'll be discussing pupil wellbeing with two leaders in Bristol. Thanks for listening.